G'day, and welcome to episode 129 of the Pack of Your Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today's conversation is with Melinda Divers, who is the founder and CEO of Moonshine Mamas Elixirs and Tonics. Now, in today's episode, Melinda takes us on a journey through the foundational story of Moonshine Mamas, starting with her motivation for natural health and healing after a stage three cancer diagnosis in 2011, right through to the business's current position. Hope you all enjoy today's episode with Melinda. This was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, there was so much packed into it. So enjoy. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to have (laughs) you on. Uh, Just before we got started, we were just having a quick little chat. Um, A lot of people listening would know that I used to work for Salt Spring Coffee and you're based on Salt Spring Island. That I am. Yes. What a beautiful part of the world, huh? Yeah, it's wonderful. Really feel blessed to be here. And what drew you to the island? You said you moved across around 26 years ago. So what was sort of the motivating factor to move you to Salt Spring Island? Um, belonged, we belonged to a yoga group in Toronto and it's, I'd say sister community was here on Salt Spring Island Mm. and also down at Mount Madonna in California. We did landscape design and construction at the time. So in the winter, when there was snow on the ground, we would jump in our van and drive across the country and we'd go to California and we'd stay at the land project there and do, um, karma yoga or uh, work work for our keep basically and we wanted to move there I got really into community living and um, but it wasn't very feasible to go to California so it was actually the uh, the I'll say the inspiration for the group Baba Haridas um, and um, he wrote on his chalkboard he was silent he wrote on his chocolate chalkboard one day go to salt spring island and of course i had a few connections from the yoga retreats that we would attend and so next thing we knew we were moving to salt spring island Here wow. we are. that's amazing where were you from in toronto well uh, kind of i would say we i grew up kind of back and forth between Toronto and up north. We always had a house up north, Georgian Bay area. I know Georgian we, Bay. Yeah, yeah, up near Barry sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. But but we we were in Don Mills growing up. And then I spent probably a year when I met my now my partner. Um we spent a, quite a bit of time at Keelan Lawrence. Okay. I don't know what they call that area, but we, we used to commute quite a bit back and forth to Aurora and for his work and yep. stuff. But and then after about a year, we moved to Lake Huron, actually, up on Lake Huron. Okay. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Listen, I uh, just spent a, a week in Toronto. Um, we went out for a funeral. My wife, like I said to you before, is from up that way, but she's from Fenland Falls up in the Kawathas. So we went back and visited family and friends and let the kids have a run around with their cousins. And it was awesome. Like we really love it out there, but the pace of living is, especially in Toronto is very different to what you used to now. Oh, very much. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of refer to it as the vortex. It really just, yeah, you just get pulled in and all of a sudden you're just moving at a different pace and also not at a fast pace because you're stuck in traffic and whatnot. Oh yeah, true. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you what, then you move to an extreme change of pace in terms of island time, which is very real. I've experienced it myself. It's, it's its own unique little bubble, Salt Spring Island. It is. It's quite charming. Yeah, definitely. When I first got here, I would say I had a foot in both 
worlds still very attached to Ontario and family and relations there. But when I really, it took about, I'm going to say three years to really look back. And Mm. I remember one day thinking, could I see myself living there again? And it was, no, I can't. So that's when I really committed and yeah, yeah. well-rooted now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and tell us about, so I did read that you've been and started numerous businesses over the years. You mentioned the landscape design and construction company. Um, you had a retail garden center, a clothing store, and now you've got Moonshine Mama. So you've been extremely busy, but let's just go back to the start with landscape design, like getting your hands dirty and in the soil. Like what was it specifically about that that you loved? Well, just what you said, hands in the soil. I did most of the design work. That was really, um, I, I self-taught myself that was in Ontario and that was selfish motivations I just wanted to really have something that I could do to support my partner who Mm -hmm. did mostly um, hard landscape installation and to be home with our kids and it felt like that was something I could contribute to that make that happen so that's how that came about very good. And the cost of living in Toronto, obviously, like we're all, you know, feeling the effects of inflation and the high cost of living, especially here in Vancouver. I know that housing is really hard to come by on Salt Spring Island as well. And you guys have felt the pinch of, you know, the impact of um, Airbnb and so on. I remember when I'd go across and we were trying to hire stuff for the cafe that it was almost an impossible task because, you know, A, there were people looking for work so we could hire them, but there was nowhere for them to live. And a lot of people were couch surfing and, you know, living from house to house, they were camping on the campsite for a summer and it was just not a sustainable solution. So, you know, coming from, um, you know, Toronto, which everybody's feeling the effects there, everybody's feeling the effects um, in Vancouver here. What's it like now? I mean, it's been a couple, been out of the loop from Salt Spring Island for a few years, but have things seemed to sort of settle a little bit for you guys? I wouldn't say so. I think it's, I think it's still pretty bad. It's yeah. actually, I think it's... <sighs> I think it's a topic that really needs to be, we need to do something about because it is impacting a lot of businesses on this Mm. island Mm -hmm. and it's, and um, yeah, it's really tricky. It's hard to find people and it's hard to keep them because they're, they might find a place for eight months and then get booted out. It's just, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. And especially now as you've got employees, I'm sure you'd see it's a revolving door. So consistently training people, it must be really difficult. It was well, at least one of the challenges that you must be confronted with. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky. We have a pretty solid core um, base of our team that are yeah. pretty settled here. And uh, But it's still, I see a lot of businesses that are struggling to mm-hmm. keep people, especially mm-hmm especially the restaurants and yep. um, and uh, stores and all those kinds of jobs are really challenging right now. Yeah, sure. yeah. Awesome. So I'd love to dig into all of that with you, but let's start with, um, you know, what sparked the idea of Moonshine Mamas? Like, where did it all begin? Um, It all began, I guess, I could, I, it was really, I'm going to say 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, was the beginning and it was after a health crisis it was i was um diagnosed i guess it's pretty common knowledge diagnosed went through treatments um for cancer and on the other side i was determined i always knew i knew a few things in that period of time that i knew that 
um, it was important to go through what I did go through to get well. And it was important to focus my energy on the other side to a really solid get well protocol Mm -hmm. to kind of counter the bad effects that I had um, gone through and also to just bring wellness back. Um, so that was kind of the beginning and it wasn't, uh, it was more of an aha moment, I guess, on the other side, I put together a pretty, I, uh, a very, um, uh, I was going to say it was a protocol that was, what's the word I want? It was very strict. It was mm. a very strict protocol mm-hmm. and it, and it was a combination of, um, food, what I would eat, lifestyle changes, all of that attitude even. so Mind, body, and spirit. You got it. Mind, yeah. body, and spirit. And they are, are all very connected. So yeah. through that process, I was actually, I was juicing and consuming two liters of juice um, wow. as part of my protocol, bringing in a lot of superfoods. My, my thing really became nature for nourishment. So yep. that's carried through in our, um, in Moonshine Mamas, but it was actually one, one day in a local, uh, organic food store. And I actually saw, I was already consuming turmeric, but I was really getting bored of having turmeric tea and mm-hmm. I was bringing ginger was the other really important ingredient. The thing was to really have some science backing whatever I was bringing into my, diet and those were some of the things that were the most important and most impactful I would say Mm -hmm. and it was one day just holding that turmeric root in my hand and I just kind of thought that that was there has to be an easy way to consume this every day and so came home and um, started putting it into this concentrated form that would basically, it, it took a while to evolve because there's a lot that I learned in the process. So learning about activating the turmeric was really important. That makes it 2000 times more absorbable and also making it bioavailable because turmeric is actually water soluble. So it exits the body quickly. So it's really mm-hmm. important to um, combine it with ingredients that will hold it in until it's absorbed in the body so those were things that I learned and I would say it took me I don't know a year maybe really to get solid in the recipe and how to make it work like one of the ingredients is actually coconut oil and how do you put coconut oil into into basically juice and make it yeah oil and water don't mix yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly but it's a really important ingredient because that's part of what binds with the turmeric and holds it and long enough to be absorbed so working all of that out was and i think a very important and pivotal in making our elixirs really work yeah you can really feel the difference and i wanted it to be easy i wanted an easy routine so making it tasty something Mm -hmm. i looked forward to every day I was also really restricting how much sugar. And so um, I ended up putting honey in our elixirs. And that's because of the antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal properties. So it went in line with the immune boosting benefits of all the other ingredients. And that was my treat too. 
because yeah, yeah, that was about I all I was allowed every day <laughs> yeah. through yeah. that period of time. Yeah. So through the crisis of your health, you know, um, you came out the other side of it or at least worked through it while you were producing juices daily. And you mentioned like a protocol and um, that it was sort of encompassing sort of mind, body and spirit, all three. Mm-hmm. When you are confronted with a health crisis as serious as a cancer, like your life must have been just one day great and then the next minute completely flipped on its head. And I can't imagine that feeling like it's something I've fortunately never had to encounter before. And I can't imagine being in your shoes when you sort of heard that news and, you know, felt the weight of the world on your shoulders when you found out that you had cancer. What was your initial protocol or what at what point did you realize that you needed to build a daily practice, you know, to work through the cancer? And did you feel the initial effects of the juices or did you feel like what what was the emotional process of like the juicing? Was it actually doing something and taking control of your health or what was it exactly that you cottoned on to? Um, I would say when you're faced with that kind of diagnosis, the first, I, I kind of say there's five phases, emotional phases that you go through. Mm-hmm. And the first is always, well, first for me was denial. Mm. So definitely, no, can't happen. Not happening not to me. me. Yeah. yeah. And then the next, den- the next is kind of shock. <clears throat> so in the shock phase, it's kind of, uh, well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Mm. It's it's shock. And then you kind of move into, for me, it was fear was next. Of course, I'm fearful. Like that. I really remember that phase because you're faced with um, an unknown. Uh, am I going to get through this? And worrying about, I have, I have young kids mm. at the time. My mm-hmm. youngest was... He was, well, he was seven, I think. Oh my God. Yep. And um, so that the fear of, of worrying about your family, worrying about your future, worrying about everything, mm. worrying about the, the, uh, pro- the treatments too, worrying about making the right decisions. Should yeah. you do it? Should you not? Should I try something natural, all natural? Should I, all those way very heavy and that and I'm and it's condensed too because you're not given months to think about things mm. everything happened so quickly in that period of time it actually happened very slowly up until the diagnosis because there was a lot of things going on that weren't being solved until it until it was and then it was like all these decisions having yeah. to make and you're going through all these all those phases of emotion yeah and then once the once fear, um, I knew, I knew in my heart that you cannot heal when you're living with fear. Mm. So that was the next phase was actually determination, being really determined to not allow that demon into my, into my being mm. and to push it out whenever it would come. And then at that point, I say that I kind of donned my warrior boots and decided to kick some ass. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that was part of determination. Mm. And and so then that was basically treating it like a job and looking at all of the facts and making decisions based on what seemed to be the right route. And mm. um, so that was... That was a good, I'd say, an empowering place to get to. Mm. Once I got there, 
and then I and then it was really just taking everything control and taking responsibility and making those decisions about uh, changing all those things. I had a lot of stress at the time. I mm. knew I had to get I had to get rid of the stress. I had to. Um, it wasn't that I didn't eat well, but there was lots of room for improvement. And of mm. course, there's certain things that um, support the growth of, I mean, the anti-inflammatory diet is pretty important for, I mean, most illnesses come from, come from inflammation. inflammation. So that, yeah. yeah. So that was really key. And, and then through that also, I guess the, the surrender to this is the, this is the path I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to face it head first and just take control of this situation was kind of the last phase. And, and then, I'm sure that all of those phases, they didn't, they weren't exclusively like set out in stages. Like there would have been like a lot of back and forth and like feeling the emotions <laughs> and, you know, the fear would creep back in and you'd have to be like, you know, get yeah. yourself back in that frame of mind of like, no, the, I'm on this. This is the path that I'm on. This is my decision, and I can only imagine, like, you know, the days, you know, or even the emotional roller coaster throughout the period of a day that you must have been on too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I my dog is <laughs> not at all? To... <laughs> Come here. She can't get up on the on the bed behind. That's right. Come here. Yeah, not a problem. Here, I'll help you. Just. <laughs> She'll just she'll just whine and cry. cry behind us if I don't help her. She's just a little she's she's a little pug Maltese cross. All right. She's, she's too little. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, we were saying that, you know, it was through nutrition and your disciplined um, approach to nutrition that you really found Moonshine Mamas or at least the first iteration mm -hmm. of Moonshine Mamas that you built. What was your, um, if you don't mind me asking, and if this is personal, like I can edit this out, it's not an issue at all. Um, what was your approach to sort of like your mental approach, like the the spiritual part of the the journey that you took? Yeah. Oh, I don't mind sharing any part of my, I offer it up fully. Uh, lots of reading, reading lots of books of people that w would empower, empower me and make me feel um, like I had the tools and the tool belt. So lots yeah. of reading was part of it. Uh, <clears throat> lots of swearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but I felt like I needed to purge a lot and um, actually acknowledging um, acknowledging frustration, acknowledging all of those kind of negative emotions. I would just swear them out and lots of play, of course, lots of sleep. Mm -hmm. These were all good for the mind. Walks every day. I wanted mm -hmm. to really teach my body that it was vital and was full of health and so I thought that was a really good way I would force myself it didn't matter how tired I was I would mm. force myself to walk sometimes I'd have to phone my partner to come pick me up if I walked too far and I felt like I didn't have it in me to get back but that yeah. was also a meditation like walking was mm. really good to really just have a conversation with myself the other thing that was really valuable is like I just call it a hundred breaths so Every day I would take 
I would, it, all I had to do was focus on my breath and it had to be a hundred and it really helped to count. You can just, you can say, focus on your breath, but if you don't give yourself those parameters, then you're just like, Oh, how long can I, your mind just wanders. Wonders. Yeah. But, yep. but because I was like, I have to do a hundred. So it'd be like one mm. and two. And then, so that, that kind of really just focused. And that was something that I could carry with me anywhere as well like I could even do it I could do it while I was walking I could do it while I was you know making dinner whatever so mm. I I incorporated that sometimes I would do it while I was still and sitting mm -hmm. so that was important and the other thing was also um like especially through the period of time when I was doing treatments I would I would always enter everything I did I would always do a mental internal prayer in and a prayer out so if I was mm. coming in say for you know a radiation treatment I would as I was being invited in I would always do this kind of just a thankfulness I guess you could say just mm. starting rate starting thank you for being grateful for my family my friends this place these people that are caring for me this and I would bring it right into my body my uh, for, you know, just bring it in. And then on the, as I was exiting, I would do it reverse. And, mm -hmm. and also, I would also use that opportunity to empower. Um, I could, I could say that I would talk to every cell in my body and empower it. So I would always kind of bring that prayer in and then say, okay, we have to focus all this energy that's coming into my body right now on these spots. There's mm -hmm. two tumors that mm -hmm. they were that um we were working with uh, reducing or whatever <laughs> and i would just focus all that energy on them and then again reverse it out so i just carried that the mental part was i'd say a full-time job during that period of time always um really being uh, mindful trying to empower myself uh keeping the demons of negativity mm. out Mm -hmm. staying on that kind of side of it and and that's that was kind of probably I think some of the magic that really helped me it's interesting um you know if we look sort of so this was all occurring yeah, around 2009 2010 was it when you were having all of your no. treatments no no that it was 2012 okay 2012 and if you think back to 2012, so we're just over 11, uh, 10 years ago now, it feels like it's not that long ago, but the world has changed a lot in that 10, 11 years. And mm -hmm. I think that if you think back to sort of, you know, where we were then, it wasn't really well known that sugar and nutrition, you know, um, played a huge mm -hmm. part in the reduction of inflammation in your body. But I feel that on Salt Spring Island, it was starting to sort of gain some traction and some momentum. Would you sort of suggest that that would be true? Like in yeah, little I mean, pockets? I, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience. I was, this is where I was. So yeah. I, I, I don't know how things were elsewhere, but I can yeah. tell you from my own experience and what I witnessed and, and definitely. So that was 2012. By 2013, yeah. um, I was making the elixirs. Yeah. I started for my friends and family and then, um, and then by the end of 2012, I still had the store mm. at the time, and I would actually uh, get my kids to sell it out on the deck. And I um, 
and I did a few markets. Uh, they were really small markets. I actually mm-hmm. almost feel like 2013 was a pathetic start, really, because it was right at the end of the year. And um, so I, I did a few markets in the fall with the elixirs, but it was in that fall that I I made some and posted on Facebook and and said, hey, I made this stuff. Who wants to buy some? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I, and I sold 22 bottles and drove around the island selling yeah. it. So yeah. to answer your question, um, I would say that once 2014, when I started in the Salt Springs Saturday market, most questions I would get is like, why? Why <laughs> like, turmeric? Why, yeah. why turmeric? Yeah. But then at the same time, um, I, we started seeing it in the media. I remember mm. CBC doing a big thing on turmeric and mm-hmm. I remember articles started coming out and then mm-hmm. people would come up to me in the market and say, Oh, look at, I just saw this. This is mm-hmm. amazing. This is why. Great timing. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Isn't it? Because like every sort of, um, what would you call it? Like, uh, things, things just get picked up, you know, uh, you know, there is the process of an early adopter and then it hits sort of like it's stride and it, you know, there's that bell curve that's really popular to see you know until <laughs> things hit mainstream you could say the same thing about kombucha and you know gut health you know we've got a mm-hmm. really good understanding of sort of the mind gut connection now and the importance of maintaining gut health we've got a really good understanding now of you know the importance of reducing inflammation of your body and you know the way that we can manage that through nutrition and i guess what i was sort of alluding to as well is i feel that you know coming from salt spring island it is a really unique place it's no secret that it is, you know, um, it was a place that a lot of people went to to get away from life to sort of, you know, find themselves again. And um, and I'd love to hear if, and this may be true for you, um, psychedelics play a huge role in, you know, the way that you can shift your mind and the perception and the, um, you know, the position that you hold on certain things. And I think the stigma that's tied to psychedelics is greatly being reduced now as people are seeing the benefits of it. I was wondering if you had any psychedelic experiences throughout the period when you were ill, um, to help you shift your perspective and emotional sort of, um, you know, the way that you sort of worked through your illness as well. Um, do you mean with the actual um, mushrooms? Yeah. Aid of, I did do, I didn't use, I used a lot of medicinal mushrooms. They were part of my protocol, Mm. but I actually didn't use any of the psychedelic mushrooms at the time. I did use, um, part of my, part of, part of my, um, um, get well protocol did include, uh, like Phoenix tears. So Mm. I did use, but it was so at a dose that I didn't actually feel this, mm. this psychedelic impact. impact but, yeah. I, but I think when you're hit with a diagnosis like that, there's just mm. a natural, um, there's a na- something that happens in your body that, that, that I'm going to call it trauma. Mm-hmm. It does naturally kind of make it, it just happens. It feels some days I did actually feel pretty high just from, because you're faced with a, a feeling it for the first time in my life. I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't feel invincible. Mm-hmm. Always you were faced like, with your mortality. Yeah, exactly. And I felt up until then, it was always stuff that would happen to other people and not to me. And mm-hmm. I think that was such an impact to me mentally that it definitely had that effect on me. I think it was 
it was actually profound, I guess, the way that it impacted me mentally. And mm. it, yeah, anyways, I did have one night where I, I, I would take, um, actually, I would take pot butter every day. It really oh, helped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Between the, between the, the, um, turmeric and the ginger, it was mm. really helpful because mm-hmm. it really helps with pain and, um, also digestion. I had a lot yeah. of, because of the treatments, a yeah. lot of that, but also the pot butter really helped a lot. Yeah. And there was one night when I accidentally, I already, I always knew the exact dose, but some <laughs> I'd run out of that and somebody gave me a new one and it was way stronger. And there yeah. was one night that I woke up, I knew exactly how much, and I took that much, but it was, the dose I was different. Up, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember waking up and I felt like my, my eyes were shutters. <laughs> Every time I sh- shut my eyes, it would click, click. <laughs> um, it was pretty funny. I bet. And then, yeah. Crawling to the bathroom. Cause anyways, not to get too sidetracked into. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. But I think that it's important that we do discuss those things because I think there is a huge stigma attached to it and medicine, you know, isn't necessarily, well, there's medicine everywhere and plant medicines are a really important thing that is, um, like I said, it's the stigma around cannabis and, you know, psychedelic mushrooms and psychedelic protocols is is being reduced. And I'm really happy for that. I think that it's a beneficial thing for our society and the way that we do see ourselves and it can be extremely healing. So it's really cool to hear that you did incorporate that into your protocol. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Really all the, the combination of things that I did really did um, change my life, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. It has changed your life. Yeah, significantly. <laughs> so you hit the market. People were giving you some really good feedback. It started with family and friends. Um, you got to the market and, you know, people saw that it was in CBC and they're like, hey, turmeric, like I've heard of this and I understand it. What, at what point did you go, hey, there's actually something that I've got here. Like, what did it look like? Did you, were you producing it at home? You know, tell us about sort of the scaling of the business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, for sure. Um, in the beginning, it was really, it was really about survival. And again, it was um, monetary survival at that point. Yeah. It was like, I had a store, it was causing me more stress than not. So we closed the store. And then it was like, well, I still need to make money um, to keep up, you know, keep the family, well, whatever, housed and yep. fed. And yeah, um, and it all, all I, I really wanted to do was make this elixir and share it because it was so impactful to my well-being. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's totally air, fine. It's totally fine. An airplane went overhead. Yeah. <laughs> Flight plane. Yeah. Yeah. And she's barking at it. Anyways. So it was so impactful to my life. It's all I wanted to do was share it with anyone else that found benefit from it. So I started pretty innocently. Yes, making it in my home, in the in my kitchen and taking it to the market. And then once I once it was I would basically just go to the market, sell out, take the money that I made, go buy more ingredients, more jars make it again, go yeah. to the market the next week, yeah. sell out. And so I just kept 
rolling it in. I really honestly started this business with about 200 bucks. I swear. Just, I didn't have, I didn't have much else other than, um, belief in, in the, in the product. Like I said, it had such a profound effect on me and my life. The first time I made it, the first sip I took, I, I can still imagine it in my head. It was so I can almost feel it every cell in my body. I know it sounds kind of corny, but I really did. I felt it everywhere. And it was, I could feel my body say, thank you. (laughs) Just absorbing the energy. Yeah. 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 And so I wanted, I wanted that for anybody who could Mm. benefit from it. So that's kind of what drove me to keep going every day to the market. Well, every Saturday at that point, um, I didn't have dreams of a building a, you know, a seven figure business or anything like that. That was the furthest from my mind at the time. It was really, I need to make a bit of money and I want to share this with everybody who finds benefit. That was it. It's almost the most pure of intentions, (laughs) you know, it's the most pure of intentions. And that's sort of, you were solving your own problem and you saw that it could be valuable for other people too. So what's more pure than that? It's really cool. Yeah, I'd get lots of good feedback and that would drive me to want to continue. So Mm. then I'd go the next Saturday, we'd sell out and it would just continue like that. And then by the time I got to fall and it was getting to close market time, um, I realized, oh, shit, (laughs) I better get in some stores because I'm not not I'm not one of these hardy salt springers that does the winter market. (laughs) It stands out there in the wind and the cold. (laughs) The rain. Yeah. Yeah. No, not for me. So um, it was actually my first store was actually Barb's Bakery. Yep. Because she was um, Jenny was a friend of mine and of early on supporter. So we were in there first, and then of course we ended up in in the local health food store, Salt mm-hmm. Spring Nature Works, and then the Country Grocer was next, and and then I decided, well, I better get on the Big Island as well. So. I actually approached, I think I approached community farm, no, lifestyle, lifestyle and Victoria, lifestyle markets. And then I contacted, um, actually, I think they contacted me, community farm store in Duncan. Yeah. And then I thought I was set. I thought that's all I need. We're good. (laughs) We're good. Yeah. People can get us on the island. They can get us off the island. And then it was for the next year or so it was all in inbound sales i'd get a phone call or an email from a store saying hey somebody came in they recommended your product and so we just kept onboarding for the next few years i think we onboarded um at 150 stores i think i can't recall and that was mainly vancouver island and then we started on uh, mainland within that I'd say, yeah, it was probably about a year in. We ended up starting with a store um, in West Vancouver mm-hmm. called Farm to Table. They were our first um, mainland store, and it felt it was challenging always to figure out. Okay, I got one store that wants to carry us there? on mainland. Yeah. How am I going to get it there? Yeah. How am I going to make this? But for for me, my I always. I, I built it all on, um, they need, 
they need the consistency. So if I'm going to take this on, then I'm going to commit to getting that store, their order every week, regardless if they're one store. Mm. And so we just did that. And then um, lots of stores kind of followed. We did self-distribution, honestly, up until um, about a year ago, year, year and a half is mm -hmm. when we, it was just before, um, it was just before COVID, we were talking to one distributor and then it just got, it got paused, but we were already at over a million in sales at that point doing self-distribution. Yeah. So we, and then, and then sometime during COVID, we picked up that conversation again and we started with, um, horizon distribution. Yep. And, and then we re well, I guess it was about eight months ago, we decided we needed, I had a gal, my, so I had a gal who was our account manager in Toronto and we would, we were in Toronto doing self-distribution as well, but we, she was going on maternity. So we decided, well, we better get a distributor. So we got a distributor, UNFI to take over it was about that time too it felt like this is about the time when we should be we should be scaling in a different way than i was previously it was time to kind of drop self-distribution start yeah. getting fill in all the gaps in yep. the market regions. that's incredible <laughs> what a story and i feel like we've you know we've come to sort of like current day which is pretty crazy because you've been in operation for 10 years and what i'd love to sort of ask is a few questions about those earlier days you know um you said that you were on the island you moved across and you were also selling on vancouver island you know um i can imagine that you would have come into a couple of challenges one of which was keeping up with production another would be shelf life and another mm -hmm. would be potentially is it because yours is cold chain is it does it require cold chain distribution it does yes and cold chain like getting everything there at the right temperature yeah. as well so how did you manage those sort of challenges basically just every challenge that came um i would just problem solve it figure it out mm -hmm. so the production yeah we we actually we we actually small batch poured hand poured everything wow up until um oh it's been about a year and a half that we upgraded to an actual bottling line we actually hand poured everything i mean yeah. <laughs> everything. everything every single bottle and were you we producing just, this in a commissary or where were you where were you manufacturing well when we first so we started when i when I knew I needed to get a real kitchen mm -hmm. um, out at this is way back when I was still just doing the market, we built a shipping container kitchen wow. outside my back door, had yep. it uh, certified and we quickly grew out of it. It was about a year and a half that we were in there and we were adding shipping containers and adding um um like shelters where i could pack orders but mm -hmm. it was still outside and mm -hmm. so i'd be packing orders outside and just making just i knew the drip line of how much how much space i could package it actually was kind of fun hand <laughs> labeling your bottles <laughs> oh hand labeling yeah everything we did hand we hand labeled everything we would we would make it all and then in the early days i would 
um, get my family and we yeah. would do that in the evenings usually. Yeah. We'd yeah. get a movie on and we would hand <laughs> label everything. Yeah. And um, and then deliver the next day. And then after when we knew we were pushing the boundaries with our um, shipping container kitchen, an opportunity came up. It's it's hard to find commercial space yeah. on Salt Spring, Salt Spring Island. Island. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, so we found a space. It was 1,100 square feet. And I was just like, what am I going to fill all this space with? <laughs> this is amazing. But we uh, quickly started growing out of that space. But we managed to be able to um, get a little more space in the same building. So we've, st we're still there. We're, we're literally like, we're still operating. We have to... It, because our product is, it's a very quick in and quick out. We don't really, we don't warehouse for long. We mm -hmm. try to really limit. We want it out as fresh as can be. So we do have, we have some cold storage um, in this space, but a lot of the, we have to use off site storage mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. our bottles and whatnot. So there's so much, there's so, so many moving parts to getting things in yeah. and getting things out quickly. Mm -hmm. So that it's a, it's a lot to handle really, because it's very fast paced. Um, especially now that we're in a lot more stores and we took on save on foods recently. So mm -hmm. it, so we're at any rate, we are managing pretty well and we're looking to um, increase our, our factory space again hoping to stay on salt spring <laughs> yeah yeah which is as yeah. you suggested a challenge um what was the initial shelf life and where are you at now originally um originally i put 60 days on it mm -hmm. and that was because um i was unsure of the uh, of what kind of dating we should put on it yeah it actually has an, a very low ph so we can actually put a lot longer than we do but mm -hmm. uh, because it's a pretty safe we really have to be cautious because we don't pasteurize mm. uh, we really it was really important to maintain all the healthy nutrition that's in the ingredients yep. and I haven't been able to figure out how to maintain them uh, and pasteurize so we don't pasteurize everything is extracted in their most natural form to um, really get all the health benefits so at any rate the 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 problem is always making sure that it doesn't ferment and yeah. cold cold storage does help with that but it's not always a hundred percent yeah as you know too yeah, well. yeah yeah so that's it's um so our now our dating is six months okay yeah mm -hmm. so it's improved significantly well at least doubled so, yeah. sorry, you went from 60 to six months, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's a huge improvement. That must definitely help. It does help quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. As you were scaling the business, have you managed to grow it um, organically in through your own financing or did you have to go out and get finance at some stages? Um, so I've grown it. Uh, I've really bootstrapped it. I recently uh, actually took on some debt. I, I was afraid of debt for the first six years. I just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't take on any debt. So grew it by bootstrapping. And then I 
recently took on some loans as we mm-hmm. were scaling. I guess I got more strategic um, in the last few years, really, and really started planning. Up until then, it was all about, again, like I said, it was about just um, maintaining the jobs and getting our product for mm-hmm. people that found mm-hmm. benefit from it. And then I realized that it's hard to say no to people that were just out of reach and scaling is the only real way of really getting getting it to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so got more strategic then. And so then we took on some debt. We're looking probably um, for investment as probably I'm saying in this fall, we'll probably be taking on some investments so that mm-hmm. we can continue our more strategic plan of growth now. That's very exciting. And another question I had for you. So obviously business wasn't something that was new to you. You know, we mentioned right at the start that you'd been a business owner for numerous um, businesses over the years before you started Moonshine Mummets. However, CPG is a totally different beast. How did you mm. find the transition into CPG? And did you have anybody that you were able to sort of bounce ideas off or somebody that could help orient you in the right direction? Or if you had any questions, somebody that you could approach? I would say that yes it's really much different it's a and it's taken me a while to really adjust because i wasn't other than working in a health food store when mm-hmm. i was a teenager i that's as close as i've been to <laughs> um working in it in the cpg world yep. but so that was really a big change for me big adjustment I spent a lot of time early on it was really about talking to other entrepreneurs and trying to get information and um and how to's and how nots from them and then uh i basically any opportunity i had for any kind of accelerator program or whatever Mm. i would say i focused a lot on that so i've done a lot starting with um uh feeding growth it was probably the first one in vancouver that i attended and i did um lots of gained lots of information from the forum um well uh reached out to edc mm-hmm. bdc mm-hmm. <laughs> you name it yeah i reached out to it um the other one was uh, sweet futures got an opportunity to uh take and and i'm going to call it an accelerator with them mm-hmm. i recently Oh, I've done every kind of through BDC, financial literacy mm-hmm. um, program and well, and then most recently Venture Park Labs. I saw that on LinkedIn recently. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. seemed awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just anywhere that I could get any kind of help yeah. and that's reached out. So leveling up and continually educating yourself is something that you're not afraid of. Is that something that's inherent in your nature or do you have to really push yourself to do that? I'd say it's inherent in my inherent in my nature for sure. Yeah. Because it, because I've had no background in it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I almost take on too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. I I need to back off a little bit for a little while. Um, because it's been it's pretty been it's been pretty a heavy load over this last year i can imagine yeah 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 just getting getting ready to to scale i thought i better get 
make sure that I, it's really important this in the last, since COVID for sure, it's been so tricky to navigate. I'm so grateful in one respect that, um, that we do production in house mm. because it's been easier to control. Mm-hmm. I've, I have control over everything. Um, the costs of everything I've managed to pivot. I use that word pivot in where I've needed to mm-hmm. not, not right away. Um, in some cases I've learned to be much more on top of that, but, um, uh, it's been really challenging to really, to, I know that a lot of there's, I've seen companies that have been struggling, some have folded and mm-hmm. I totally understand it's mm. so, it's been so hard to navigate. We've been hit with so much. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even remember your original question now. No, that's Okay. <laughs> I do have another question. So obviously you've been in business for just over 10 10 years now. And if you look at the progress that you've made from, you know, day one to where you are today, I'm sure you'd agree. And you mentioned it before that you wouldn't even believe it yourself if you had have told yourself back then that the business would be what it is right now. But if you could go back to where you were before you started with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? I would say to probably... To myself would be the first thing is to really do the research, mm-hmm. understand your numbers, understand that's so important. Um, understanding the numbers is so important. Um, make sure to reach out to people that can be helpful. I early on I didn't. I got it was actually a chance meeting with a, a neighbor of mine. His name is Rory Holland, and he moved right across the street, and we met on the beach and got talking and um he started offering up time working with me to help me through some problems that this was early on in covid and kind of became an unofficial advisor i would guess you would Mm -hmm. say and then he introduced me to some people that have actually become advisors to me Mm -hmm. and that's been really powerful i didn't know and i didn't know 10 years ago that that was even a thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful because now I feel like I have a team and so don't be afraid to reach out to people and really it's much easier to do things right the first time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so get it right get it right it can be expensive otherwise can it (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure can yeah I made I've made lots of mistakes and thankfully I've been able to manage to get through it yeah Well, it sounds to me as if the mistakes that you've made have been manageable ones, like they haven't been catastrophic. And would you put that down to the fact that you have been able to sort of pace yourself throughout the growth of the business? Yeah, I would say that. um, Also, a good fear of, of, um, a good fear of, of, I guess, failure Mm. has also made it really Mm -hmm. I've I've been in that position before I had like the store I had before I would say it wasn't especially through that period of time when I was sick and it was um not doing well and so I know what that feels like and Mm. I didn't want that and I definitely wanted always wanted to I felt very loyal to my team always Mm. wanting to make sure that they have jobs yeah as well so yeah Well, that's amazing. I've got one more question for you. If we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, so in business or in life, what would you have accomplished? What would I have accomplished? I would definitely have built out our um, 
our 12,000 square foot um, new facility, uh, successfully launched our, our new innovative channels that we have yet to get out into the marketplace mm-hmm. that we're excited about. We would, um, we would be a force in inspiring people to really go back to nature for nourishment mm-hmm. and, um, and really put their trust into that mm-hmm. as well, be an inspiration for people to care for themselves and work from a more of a preventative way with their health than um, than having to fix problems. Reactive. Um, yeah. yeah, reactive for sure. And um, yeah, successful enough to keep our team well-employed, paid living wages and continue to grow in that way as well. None of that sounds out of reach at all. <laughs> Highly achievable. Woo! All right. <laughs> so this 12,000, <laughs> yeah. So this 12,000 square foot um, location, have you secured a spot on Salt Spring Island or are you still trying to hunt it down? Uh, we're working on, we're working on it. Cool. That's really exciting. <laughs> it, great yeah. for the community. Great for the island. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully we can make it work. And to have everything in one spot, you'll have all of your warehousing, your storage, <laughs> your everything will be oh there. You God. won't have to manage all of that logistics. Our pro- yeah, my production, yeah, my production manager will just that would be just the best. Yeah. And 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 our um finance yeah, yeah. um person, our yeah. shield. Yeah, because it's very confusing. I can only like imagine. Got- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Also, also take care of all the inefficiencies that we have in our factory because we can't, there's certain things we can't do because we are limited by space. So it'll all be very exciting. Well, listen, Melinda, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your really personal journey um, and the background story to um, your business, Moonshine Mamas. I did have another question. Where did the name come from, Moonshine Mamas? Um, Well, it's actually a friend of mine. I was going to call it, <laughs> I was going to call it Salt Spring Elixirs and Tonics. And mm-hmm. then my friend gave me shit and said, don't you dare. <laughs> there's enough salt there's spring. Enough salt Spring Island hands. coffee, Salt Spring Island cheese. Yeah, there's a handful. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, and then she just casually like brought up a few other options. I don't yeah. remember the other options, but Moonshine Mama's really Got struck a, ring to a chord. It. Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. cool. Very cool. No, there's no booze in it. We used to get that constantly. Is there booze in it? No, (laughs) there's no. You can add booze to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Well, listen, Melinda. Thank you so much. And if anybody wanted to get in touch with you and uh, you know ask you any questions or ask for some advice, um, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch? Best way is definitely through. You can get in touch with me through, of course, any of the social media, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Um, or just email mel at moonshinemamas.ca. Our website, moonshinemamas.ca, you can actually email us right through there. I, Perfect. I end up getting... I end up getting it any of those ways. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, I'll put all of those details down in the show notes so people can scroll on down and find you there. And yeah, congratulations on all of your success and good luck for the future. Thank you. you no too. worries. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. 
All right. Thanks again for listening to episode 129 with Melinda. If you've got any questions or comments from today's episode or would like to get in touch with me to see how I can assist you with your packaging, all of the links can be found down in the show notes below. And uh, yeah, thanks again. I hope you all will be back here again next week for another great conversation. Cheers.